Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Welcome, continuing in the laws of Brochos, Hilchos Brochos, the laws of blessings. Chapter 5. This is what we call in these parts Cinco de Brochos. We learned earlier that there are certain limitations with regard to women, with regard to the observance or an obligation of certain mitzvahs, specifically mitzvahs that are connected to specific times and other limitations. There are also specific limitations halachically to a category of people which were called avadim, and they happen to fall in the same general category, although there's no connection between them. Women are exempt from many mitzvahs for the reason that their main focus is to build a family and to manage their household and to bear and rear their children. And avadim are exempt from mitzvahs because their primary responsibility is to be an evid. So therefore, because they have common halachic limitations, they are lumped together when we speak in halacha, but there's no commonality between them. Chas v'sholom. So Aleph, one, noshim, women, va'avodim, as well as slaves, halachically have limitations regarding certain mitzvahs. Chayovim bebirchas hamozen, when it comes to the grace after meals, being that there is a general obligation to thank God. When we eat, they have that obligation. However, it's questionable whether the obligation is a Torah or biblical obligation. Why would we argue that there is? Because they're only exempt from mitzvos asei shahazman groma, from mitzvos, positive mitzvos, which are limited to a certain time, because there is no particular time that we have to do the Birchat Amazon. Therefore, they're not exempt, so they would be equally obligated. Oh, or the other side of the coin is, one can argue, Einom Chayovim Minat Torah, that they're not obligated by Torah law. And there would be a series of reasons given for that which are discussed in the Gemara Brochas. The Fikal, therefore, being that there is a doubt as to whether it's biblical or rabbinic, we've established a principle earlier, and that is when it comes to Brochas, one person can make the Brocha, another person can say Amen and fulfill their obligation, but being that we're not sure if these groups have a biblical obligation, then they can't fulfill others, <clears throat> the obligation for others who may have a biblical obligation. Avol, however, haktanim, children <clears throat> under the age of bar and bas mitzvah, chayovim bebirchas hamozen midivrei clearly everyone agrees that there is a rabbinic obligation for children to do the grace after meals, the benching, in order to educate them. 
So therefore, clearly children should be taught to bench, but the obligation upon them is only educational, not obligational. Or the obligation is an educational training obligation. Bayes, the second law, second paragraph. Now we come to the idea of zimun. Let me give a little bit of an introduction to zimun. There is a verse. The verse says, Gadlu Lashem E.T. That's where they got the name of the movie from. E.T. Gadlu Lashem E.T. Proclaim the greatness of God with me. Let us exalt his name together. What is the meaning? Gadlu Lashem E.T. One person speaks to several people. How do we know it's several people? Because he says, Gadlu, plural. How do we know it's one person? Because he says, E.T., with me, not Itanu. Gadlu, Lashem Iti, let us proclaim as great the name of Hashem with me, meaning one person speaks to at least two. Gadlu, plural, Lashem Iti, singular. Let us all, as a group, exalt his name together. There is a benefit and advantage of exalting Hashem's name together. This is the biblical verse upon which we rely in order to connect the law and custom which has developed of Zimun. Zimun means when I'm eating alone, I say grace of meals alone. When I'm eating in a group, there is so much more value to a group doing it together because of God, the Lashem eating. That's the background of Zimun. Now we learn the nitty-gritty of Zimun Beis. Shlosha, if there are three people, Sha'ochlu Paskeechad, who ate a meal consisting of bread. Remember we talked about bread? is the mainstay of the meal. Who ate bread together, who broke bread together. Chayovim levorech, they are obligated to say the blessing. What kind of blessing? Birchas hazimun, a group blessing. The word zimun means to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to bless God? That's zimun. Hazmana, to set, to preordain. Called them birchas hamozon as an introduction to the grace after meals. The ezu he birchas hazimun. What is this blessing called zimun? How does it work? If those who ate the meal in a group were comprised of a group of a minimum of three up to under ten, which means three to nine people. One of them leads this zimun. What does he do? How does it go? He says, and there is a custom which developed that he says first, Rabotai Nivarech, my masters, in Yiddish, in Hebrew, Rabotai Nivarech, my masters, let us proclaim, let us do the grace after meals. So he's making an announcement. Hey guys, let's proclaim the greatness of Hashem. Let's bless Hashem. Let's thank Hashem for the meal together. 
What does he say? Nivorech, let us bless Sha'achalnu, he whose food we have eaten, Mishaloh of his. All food belongs to Hashem. Lashem Ha'aratzumloa. Shahakol Niyabidvara. The world is God's. So when we're eating in a group, we say, Nivarech, Shahalnu Mishalo. And everybody responds, Boruch, Shahalnu Mishalo, blessed be he, from whose bounty we have eaten, over Tuvo, and in his goodness, Chayinu, we live, because we live by God's bounty. The who and the one who leads it, Chazer Mubarak, repeats it and says, Boruch, Shahalnu Mishalo, that's Zimun. What happens after that? And then Omer, the leader, says, Until he finishes the whole structure of the Birchat HaMazon, which we learned earlier, are four blessings. Hazon, Al Ha'oretz Ve'alamazon, Boni Berachem of Yerushalayim, and Hatov Hametiv. Those are the four brachas of Birchas Hamazon. Now, in Talmudic times, one person did all of that. What would everybody else do? The Hain and the rest of the people, the other two or three or eight. All they would do is listen attentively and say Amen after every blessing. Commentaries bring down that as time went on, people had problems focusing. We all know people have problems focusing. Today we call it ADD, ADHD. Back then they said they had problems focusing. So therefore we're concerned that they should be able to focus properly. It became the custom that everybody does their own Birchat Amazon instead of listening to the leader and saying, Amen, we all do our Birchat Amazon individually, and then we should say Amen anyway. That is, if there were under ten. However, what if there were ten and up, more than a minion, then we can do that group. Grace after meals, we can enhance it and do it with the name of Hashem. What does it mean with the name of Hashem? How does it work? The leader, the one who blesses, Omer says, not like he said before, Nevorech Shachalnu Mishalo. Now he says, Nevorech, the Rambam brings down, Leilokeinu Shachalnu Mishalo. Or we say, Nevorech Elokeinu Shachalnu Mishalo. Well, let's bless our God from whose bounty we've eaten. We now invoke the name of God. Because we have a minion, we can invoke the name of God. Vehein Onin, and they respond, Baruch Elokeinu. And then the leader responds again, There's a response here. Leader, respond. They begin, The grace after meals. Now, in order to be able to do the birchas hazimun, we need to have a recognizable majority of these ten people who have eaten bread and are obligated to do the grace after meals. In general, when it comes to prayers, there is a majority. What's a majority? Six. Six is a majority of ten. 
So if you have 10 people, six of them have to be praying. The other four could be listening and answering. When you have Birchat HaMozon, as I'm sure you've noticed at many gatherings, when they're taking the census to see if you have enough, how many do we need? Not six, but seven. And that is Rov Nikar, a recognizable majority. A solid majority is not six, but it's seven. Eight, I'm sorry, five. What about in the household or in the gathering of a bride and groom, a wedding party? So, the Rambam brings down the custom that was that weddings were used to be a very, very big deal. And therefore, for a month before the wedding and a year after the wedding, there was such a joy in the shtetl. It was unbelievable. When somebody eats a meal in the house of the bridegroom, from the time they begin the wedding preparation, for 30 days afterwards, they make a special blessing. Nowadays, we only do that during the Sheva Brochas week. What does Shasimcha Bima'ono mean? Where joy is in his habitation. We're talking about blessing God, whose habitation is joyous. Why is there joy in God's habitation? Because the angels are praising Hashem. So just as the bridegroom and bride and their household is a place of joy, we connect God's joy to the greatest joy of humanity, and that is marriage. Here we see how exalted marriage is in the eyes of Judaism, in the eyes of Hashem, that we refer to Hashem having exaltation, or as Alan Greenspan says, irrational exuberance in his own habitation in connection to marriage. And the response is, Baruch Shasimcha B'ma'ona, blessed be he, whose joy is in his dwelling, Shachalna Mishalo, of whose bounty we've eaten. Vimhoyu Asara, that's if there's under ten, but if there are ten, Mivarech, with the blessing is Nevarech Lelokeinu, let's bless our God, Shasimcha B'ma'ona, Shachalna Mishalo, Vein Omrim Baruch Elokeinu Shasimcha. Vechein, so also, Suudo Shaisen Acharan Esuyin, same goes for the after-wedding meal, machmas hanasuyim, because of the marriage, achnei mosachodesh. Here the Rambam says for a year, mevorech, the blessing is made, shasimcha bimaono, blessing God, where, whose joy, who has joy in his habitation. And again, the commentaries bring down that it is commonly accepted nowadays that we do it for the week of Sheva brachot, and we do it only after the wedding, not when they start cooking. Now the question is, is everyone obligated to do zimun? What if there's a special purpose to the meal? What if it's in the Beis Hamigdash and the Kohen is eating because he's a Kohen and he has to eat the sacrifice? Everybody would be obligated in this zimun. Just like everybody is obligated to say the grace after meals, even a Kohen. 
Even a coin made of the Holy of Holies in the courtyard of the Holy Temple. Even if there's a mixture of Kohanim and Israelites, Kohanim Leviim and Israelites, during the time that there was the sanctity of Truma, the Kohen would be permitted to eat Truma, whereas the Israelite would not be permitted to eat Truma. The Israelite can only eat the mundane, everyday food. Now the question is, can they join together? They're two different menus, two different venues. Chayovim bezimun, there's still an obligation of the truma eating Kohen and the non-truma eating Israelite to bench, to say the grace after meals together with zimun. Kichiyuvon bebirchas hamozon, just as they're obligated to do the grace after meals, they're also obligated to do this group invocation of the grace after meals. What about Noshim? Women, we learned earlier that they are obligated, certainly rabbinically, perhaps biblically. Vavodim, or on another track, slaves who become Jews once they become slaves during that time. But they're not 100% mitzvah observant until they're liberated. Oktanim, or children, ein mezamnin aleim, we should not count them. Abo mezamnin la'atzma. But technically, and I'm not sure this is observed today, or I'm pretty sure it's not observed today in most communities, but they, if they're in a group alone, they can do it. However, the Rambam points out something important. Just because you have two groups who have a common law, don't put a group of women together with a group of slaves because that is totally inappropriate and immodest and immoral if they are preachers, God knows what can come out of that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a technical commonality. But by law, there's no reason why a group of women should not do the zimun. There's no reason why a group of slaves who are Jews, who are obligated to bench, should not do it on their own. They should not use Hashem's name because of the doubt. We learned earlier about a category of people called an androgynous, androgynous, mizamen liminei veinem mizamen, leilenoshim veleilanoshim. This is someone, we're not sure if he's male gender or female gender. Epneishu suffolk, because we're not sure, so he can only do zimun for a group of people like him. Vatumtum, someone whose gender is unknown, before a surgery would be now done to re- reveal the gender. And back then they didn't have that surgery because they didn't have the insurance. There's no zimun in that case at all. Cotton. Here the Rambam says a law which is not accepted by many. A child, if he's old enough to know what the grace after meals is about which usually is defined as nine years old or up. You can include him in the zimun. Even though he's even seven or eight years old, said the Rambam, stretching it. And he can be included, whether for three, or for ten, to make the zimun. And in the notes he brings down that most of the other halachic codifiers do not accept this. In general, I have never seen a child under bar mitzvah 
be included in a zimun, even though the Rambam paskins that it is permissible. Another example of where the Rambam gives one halachic decision, but we don't always follow practically the Rambam because there were many other halachic codifiers that ran parallel or came after the Rambam. Specifically, we follow the Shulchan Aruch, which is known as the Mechaber, the one who composed the Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Karo and the Ramo, and the latter halachic experts such as the Rab Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Brura, and so on. There's a whole evolution system of halacha. Viha'akum and non-Jew, ein mezamn and all of, should not be included in this zimun. Zimun is a thing where a group of Jews do a mitzvah, and in general, non-Jews don't have these mitzvahs. Non-Jews have their own seven mitzvahs, and zimun is not one of them. It doesn't mean that the non-Jew can't sit and participate in a group of uh, Jews doing grace after meals. Of course he can. It means you can't count him if you need to count him for the minimum, because it's not his mitzvah. Ches eight. We can only count those for Zimun if they had a minimum amount, olive size, piece of bread, and more. And here we talk about the rov. If there are seven people who ate bread, and three more were sitting with them and they ate yorok. And they eat other things, vegetables or brine or what have you. They can join together to do the zimun with Hashem's name because you had seven out of ten ate bread. Provided that the leader is one of those who ate bread. If the leader is one of those who ate vegetables or brine, obviously he should not do it. Aval, but shisha, what if there were only six? Sha'achlo pasu ate bread. Va'arba yorak and four ate. As Alfredo says, vegetables. Ain mitstarfin, they cannot join together. Achi echle apas rev haniker, until those who eat. The bread are a rave haniker, a visible majority, a distinct majority. And again, this is unique to the laws of Birchas HaMozon, six out of ten, which is a majority is not sufficient. We need seven out of ten. So the next time you're in a gathering and they're trying to count to see how many people ate bread and they find six and they say, no good, we need a seventh, you'll know why. Because it's a rave haniker. When does this apply? When there's ten. So you need seven out of ten. But when you're doing a minor or mini zimun, a small zimun without Hashem's name, every one of the three says the Rambam here have to have a minimum olive size of bread, and then, and only then, can they do the zimun. And this is not the way most halachic codifiers have decided. Most halachic codifiers could have decided 
that even if there are two who ate bread and one who ate something else or drank something else, according to most opinions, you can do the zimun with the two who ate the bread and one who ate something else. Shnayim she'ochlu, nine, two who ate, v'gamru melechon, they finished eating. Then a third guy came and ate. If the other two could eat something while he's eating, anything at all, they can include it. It's best if the greatest scholar amongst those gathered leads the Zimun, even though he came last. Ten. What about breaking up a Zimun? If three people eat together, they may not separate and do the grace after meal separately. So also four or five, because they're breaking a zimun. But six can, because you can break up into two groups of three. But ten and up, they can't break it up, because then you're losing your ten. Until you have twenty, then you can have ten and ten. As long as they can split and you can remain with the same level of zimun, no problem. Three people who came from three different groups of three, three, three. And now they are three, provided they did not do it earlier, they are not permitted now to divide. But if they all did the zimun earlier in their own group, they may do the grace after meals individually. They don't need the zimun because they already did it. Three people who sat down at the same table to eat bread together, even though they all brought the same sandwiches, but still they're now sitting together. Two groups eating in one house. If they can see one another, they can join together. If not, these do it separately and these do it separately. If there's one server, who's going from one group to the other, they can join together. Even they don't see part of one group, does not see part of the other group. If they can clearly hear the blessings that the guy is saying. By the way, the commentaries bring down that nowadays a common setting would be people sitting and eating in a restaurant. And there's a, I'm at my table, you're at your table, everybody's at a different table. That's not considered zimun. These are separate, distinctly separate groups. You know, I would imagine if they know each other and they're connected, they can connect. But it's not considered an obligation for zimun. If they all ate, or oh, three people ate, and one guy went out, you can call him. You should call him. They should, he should listen. And they should do their even though he's got one foot out. He fulfills his obligation. The problem is that all he did is responded, but he didn't do his own grace after meals. But when he comes home, of course, he must do his own Grace after meals, that uh, goes without saying. But if ten ate, one guy went out, we should not include him. 
until he comes back and sits down. If three ate together and one guy jumped the gun and did his own, doing his own grace after meals, Mizamnin all of the Rambam brings down that you could still do the zimun. These two fulfill their obligation, but he does not fulfill his obligation because he can't go backwards in zimun. He already benched. Tesva 15, two people ate together, they each do the blessing for themselves. What if one guy knew the verbiage of the blessing and the other didn't? The one who knows says the blessing out loud. The other one answers. Today you have the booklets of benching in every language. So today there's no reason why people shouldn't do it. Most people are literate today. Whereas back then there were many illiterate people who didn't read any language. There's no reason the son should not say the blessing and fulfill the obligation of the father. And in the case where a person only had a rabbinic obligation because he didn't satiate himself, we learned earlier that one has to be full to have a biblical obligation, but to have a rabbinic obligation, even if he ate a little bit, that's fine too. In that case, Ebed, a slave, Mivarech Lerabe, can make the blessing and fulfill the obligation of his teacher if the teacher only had a rabbinic obligation. The Isha, Mivarech, or in another scenario, you have a husband and wife eating together. The wife is knowledgeable and the husband is not. Again, if it's only a biblical obligation on his part, then all these people can fulfill their obligation. But our sages have said, Woe is to a man who needs his wife or his children to fulfill his obligation for the blessing. He should have his own knowledge to be able to read the Bechat HaMazon in his own. Which means it can be, can be done, but nothing to write home about. And the language they use here is a very sharp language. Tezayin 16, When does this apply? I pointed this out just now. When they ate and they were not satiated, which kicks in a rabbinic obligation. Therefore, all of these categories can fulfill anybody's obligation because they're all rabbinic. But if somebody ate and was satiated, where they have a biblical obligation to do zimun or to do birchasamozen, to do grace after meals, bein isha, whether it's a woman, bein cotton, or a minor, a yeved, or a slave, any category that for whatever reason does not have a biblical obligation, they should not be able to fulfill the obligation of someone who does. This is a rule, a very important rule. Anybody who's obligated in something biblically, can only have their obligation fulfilled by somebody else whose obligation is a biblical obligation. What if somebody comes in to a setting and he finds people engaged in zimun, in grace after meals, in a group setting? If he hears the leader saying, let us bless. Now, he didn't eat. But he hears somebody saying, let us bless God. What is he going to not answer? 
He answers a pariv. He answers a nondescript. He doesn't say, blessed be God from whose bounty we've eaten, because he didn't eat. He says, blessed be he who is blessed. There's various forms of expression of that blessing brought down in every Siddur, in every Birchat HaMazon book. If he sees people responding, blessed be he from whose bounty we've eaten, he should answer Amen. He has to say something printed in the various Siddur, Sidurim, or Birchat HaMazon, end of chapter 5.